Okay, this side's awake. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, all right. Uh, my privilege to be here with you this morning, standing in for Scott. Um, he gets to go up to beautiful, sunny Cleveland today. We get to stay in beautiful, sunny Wadsworth today. I had lunch at a restaurant a few weeks back, and I uh, finished my meal, paid my bill, uh, took my copy of the receipt out to the car, and uh, I looked at it, because I always do. I'm weird about numbers. So I looked at my uh, receipt, and I saw there was a statement at the top, and uh, it said this, right underneath the, the waitress's name. It said, thank you for letting me serve you today. And there was even an exclamation point, so, so you know that they you know, really mean it, is why there's an exclamation point there. So it said, thank you for letting me serve you today. And I thought that was kind of neat, but then I got to thinking, um, she just got paid for that. Um, and I'm pretty sure this was pre-printed on everybody's receipt. So uh, I kind of didn't believe her. So I walked back into the restaurant, um, found the waitress. She was at the table cleaning up. I looked her right in the eye. And as our eyes were locked, I reached out and took my tip back because I did not believe her at all. <laughs> I mean, she, I, there was no way. People aren't thankful to be able to serve. That's not a, a normal thing. Actually, I knew I was going to be speaking on this topic today. And that phrase caught my eye. I don't think that I have ever thanked anyone for letting me serve them. Serving isn't a natural thing to do or to even want to do. Typically, we're uh, self-focused, right? Serving is other-focused. So it's just not natural. It was a strange thing to put on there, and I really wish did, I did take my tip back. Um, <laughs> So, uh, we're going to take a look today at what Scripture says about serving. And uh, we're going to focus in one particular verse today, but uh, we're going to reference several others. So, uh, you could open your Bible apps to 1 Peter 4. And for you good old-fashioned people like me, paper Bibles are just fine. In fact, that's my preference, so feel free to rustle your pages a little extra loud. Okay, bug those appy people. There we go. 1 Peter 4, we're going to read verses 10 and 11. It says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another, as good stewards of God's varied grace. <clears throat> whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves is one who serves by the grace that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we welcome you here today. We pray that your spirit would settle on us this morning. God, I pray that you would reveal truth of your word to us. I pray that you would do something in our hearts, Lord, that only you can do. Lord, I pray that this morning your body here at Freshwater would be built up. Thank you for meeting with us here today, God. Amen. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. What are these gifts he's talking about here? These gifts he's talking about are spiritual gifts, what we call. And we don't have time to go into a study of spiritual gifts, but we see them referenced several places throughout Scripture, here in 1 Peter 4, uh, also in Ephesians 4, 
And if you really want to do some other reading on it, Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. It's where you find the, most of the writing about spiritual gifts. Uh, these gifts, though, um, are given to us by the Holy Spirit, and they are empowered by the Holy Spirit. There are strengths that we have that come directly from the Holy Spirit. Now notice here that in this, this verse here, verse 10, that Peter, and in the other verses, even the Apostle Paul confirms this, they assert that we have all received a gift. Every one of us at least has one spiritual gift. So no matter what kind of grades you got in school or how you're doing right now, you can go around and tell people that you're in a gifted program. It is okay to say that. No matter what your teachers tell you, you're in the gifted program. These gifts are very different, very wide-ranging. There's gifts of wisdom and healing and faith and teaching and giving and acts of mercy and serving and many others. These gifts are given to us for a specific purpose. Scripture says these gifts are given to us for the building up of the body of Christ. So, here, this, this word serve. In Ephesians 4, uh, it says that the church leaders are to build up the uh, people for the work of ministry. The word serve, the word ministry. Um, very interesting. They, co- they both come from the Greek word that we get our word deacon from. Deacons are officers in our church who uh, specifically focus on meeting needs and helping people in our church. And so what the authors are saying is, for every gift that you have, you are to be a deacon with that gift. You are to serve others with that gift. So the bottom line with spiritual gifts is those gifts are given to us, but they're not for us. They're for others. They're for the others around us. So, can you use your gifts only in the church or outside the church? It's a great question, and I'm not surprised you had that question because you're all gifted. It's a great question. Um, Here's my best attempt at an answer. Uh, Through the the words around all the spiritual gifts um, passages, it seems that primarily spiritual gifts are intended, intended for use within the church body, for the building up of the body, use with one another. However, Scripture does tell us to Uh, Galatians uh, 6 even says, uh, So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So can you serve and use your gifts outside of church? Absolutely. But it does seem that the primary intent is within uh, the body of believers. Now, even though everyone has a gift, not everyone serves. I think that's fair to say. And uh, some folks have done surveys over the years, uh, not just for church settings, but uh, for volunteering in general, as to why don't people volunteer? Why don't people serve? And there's many reasons for that. One could be that you feel useless. Uh, Maybe you don't know you have a spiritual gift. Maybe you compare yourself to someone else with that same spiritual gift, and they are way better at it than you are. Maybe you feel just useless. Uh, Perhaps you're hurting. Perhaps you've just gone through a a season in your life, you're going through a season in your life, and you're just hurting. Maybe physically, maybe emotionally, a a number of ways. And right now, you just need to heal. And honestly, we're okay with that. But it is a reason that some people don't serve certain times. 
lazy, self-explanatory. Um, the way I would put it is uh, sometimes people are not willing to be inconvenienced for someone else's benefit. Too busy. You got no margin to add anything else. You've allowed, doesn't happen on accident, you've allowed your life to be so full of things and activities that might be good, they have no room for serving. Don't feel needed. Maybe it looks to you like everything around here is going just fine without you having to serve. And it might look like that. Uh, but God still calls us all to serve. Maybe the staff should all do it. Don't we hire these people for something? I mean, aren't they supposed to just get the work done? Uh, wrong. Uh, it is uh, clear in Scripture that church leadership is to model and to teach serving, but it's also equally as clear that this is all of our responsibility. We're all in this. Maybe you've had a poor past experience. Maybe you served for a long time and nobody acknowledged it. Nobody said thank you. Maybe you signed up for something and uh, you got the old bait and switch. So you signed up for this particular task, this amount of time, and it turned into something totally different. And all this time, bait and switch. Can it happen in church? Possibly. I don't know. Fear of commitment, too much commitment. Maybe it's, you just don't have the time. Uh, there's way too much commitment involved in serving. Difficult to get involved. Uh, maybe you've taken the initiative and you've contacted someone to say, hey, I want to get involved in this ministry, and you don't hear anything back. Or maybe they say, no, you've got to talk to that person, and that person doesn't have any ideas, so they send you back to this person, and it just, you're not going to serve if that happens, if it's too difficult to get involved, maybe you don't even know who to contact. That's a big deterrent. Maybe there's a criminal record. Or I would see even maybe a, a major sin in your life in the past that maybe you feel disqualifies you from being involved, from serving. And while uh, it may restrict, perhaps, some scenarios or conditions for you to serve in, or, or maybe there's additional layers of accountability that needs to be put in, um, it does not disqualify you from serving. Now, what happens when we serve? Or stated another way, what do we miss out on if we're not serving? First of all, serving immerses us in one of our created purposes. Uh, we're familiar with Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace you're saved through faith. Uh, the very next verse, verse 10, says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were created for serving. We're gifted for it. We're empowered to do it. Ephesians even says God prepares the works for us to do. Now, the way I like to look at this is when all that lines up, uh, our, our serving, when it lines up with our passions, with our gifting, I like to call that being in the sweet spot. You're serving in a place where you know you are effective. God is empowering you. You're gifted for it. 
your sweet spot. It made me think of Eric Little, the, the Olympic gold medalist runner, uh, the subject of the movie Chariots of Fire, a uh, very godly man. He said, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. It was a sweet spot in his life that God made him for. And when he was in that position, he could feel God's pleasure with him. Secondly, what happens when we serve? Mutual encouragement. Romans chapter 1, the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Rome, and he says, I really want to come see you guys. And he says, I really want to come see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, so that by the use of all their spiritual gifts, through all their faith, they could all be mutually encouraged. So not just that Paul could go to this uh, new church and, and encourage them, not just so that they could serve him, but it was mutual encouragement. See, part of the Christian life is giving and serving, and part of it is receiving. And for some of us, the receiving is sometimes the harder of the two, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard to let people serve us, but God has worked it out in the body of believers that the way we uh, we get encouragement, yes, is directly from God, but is also by our brothers and sisters around us. So Paul says mutual encouragement is the whole point of using these spiritual gifts both ways, give and take, back and forth. There's blessing and benefits to serving. Uh, and these aren't the reasons why we serve, but God has made it such that if we do serve, if we are in, if we're using our spiritual gifts, he blesses us for it. There are benefits. Uh, listen to this from uh, Proverbs, Proverbs eleven seventeen. A man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. Proverbs eleven twenty five. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched. And one who waters will himself be watered. Or maybe you're familiar with this, Luke 6, 38. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Some researchers have studied uh, volunteering and the effects of volunteering, not just in a church setting, uh, but globally. Uh, and they have found that with about two hours of volunteering per week, which is what they termed considerable amount of volunteering. So I'm going to say the bar is kind of low, okay, for this whole serving thing. Two hours a week, there were measurable, specific health benefits to someone who volunteers. Heart health, longevity of life. They found actually a correlation between folks that volunteered two hours a week. There are... Uh, other benefits. Serving with others builds community. I can't tell you how many people in this church that I've gotten to know just through VBS. And we have a blast. Beth said it's for reaching the kids. It is. It's also a lot of fun. We get to just hang out, serve God together, do crazy things that you can't do on a Sunday morning, wear fake beards. I mean, it's amazing. But serving together builds community. You get to see results of people's lives transformed that you've had a part in. 
It can reinforce your sense of purpose in life. Several benefits from serving, from volunteering. It also lowers us. Now, what do I mean by that? There is a regular order to things. Um, Christ said that the, uh, the disciple is not greater than the teacher. Uh, the servant is not greater than the master. At work, uh, I don't get to give my boss orders or directions. My employees don't get to determine my priorities. It's the other way around. And, and there's, there's this um, greater than, less than kind of approach, and not, not greater in the sense of worth or value, but positionally. And what serving does is, uh, whether in reality we, we have a positional um, uh, edge or, or higher position than someone else, perhaps, or maybe in perception that we may be higher than someone else, what serving does is it, it in our heart, we take a willing step down, and it lowers us from where we think we are. And serving takes our eyes and our focus off of ourselves, and it puts it on the ones that we are serving. And it should put, it, put our eyes and our focus on Christ as well. Look at Christ's example. Philippians chapter 2 is astounding when you really think about it. Speaking of Christ, it said, He emptied Himself. God emptied Himself. There is no bigger step down than God emptying Himself. He emptied Himself and took on the form of a servant. He washed His disciples' feet. He was constantly spending himself, pouring himself out for other people. Constantly just surrounded by people in need. And he willingly spent hours and hours and days serving. Almighty God, the one in literally the highest position, took that willing step down. Here's my observation with this, though. It seems to me that a life of wealth and comfort can make this very difficult. It seems to me that we've almost become addicted to comfort. And if you don't think that you're wealthy or comfortable, you've got to get your eyes on some other people. Go up to Cleveland with us for an annual Envision Cleveland where we get to do some cleanup in some very poor areas. My guess is that not a single person in this room would buy a house in one of the neighborhoods that we cleaned up. Not a single one of us. Serving gives us different perspective. And it helps us to step down from where we think we are. It reminds us that it's not about us. Is that difficult for you to lower yourself, to step down, to be inconvenienced for someone else's benefit? Serving also is stewarding or dispensing God's grace. Look again in 1 Peter 4. There's that phrase there. We serve as good stewards of God's varied grace. 
What does that mean? What does it mean to steward something? Steward something means you're managing something that you've been given. So put this in the context of God's grace. We have all received God's grace. Yes? Yes. Okay, I need to revisit that gifted thing. We've all received God's grace. And what serving does is it literally takes the grace that we have in our lives and it does this. It shares it with those around us. We are, we are actually taking God's very grace and giving it to someone else. Stewarding God's grace. We have each received salvation through grace, but the deeper we get with Christ, we know that God's grace didn't start, didn't end at our conversion. We experience God's grace every day, every breath, every moment. God's grace is all around us. It is so deep that we cannot fathom it. It is mind-boggling. Serving is knowing that the grace and the gifts that we have been given were not for us, but for others. We are to steward this grace. We are to share it. It's God's plan. When you serve others, both parties get to share in God's grace. When you teach four-year-olds over on this side of the building, you're sharing God's grace. The usher, when you usher, you, you take people's money or you uh, help them find a chair. You're sharing God's grace. You pick up chairs after, well, your first service, never mind. Second service gets to pick up chairs after the service. It's sharing God's grace. Even things that you might not think of. If you park far away from the door so a visitor can have a closer spot, you're sharing God's grace. A young mom with a couple of kids that needs to get in when it's drizzling uh, on a cold Ohio morning is, is getting some God's grace from you. There are many things that we do that share God's grace, and that's why we serve. It's how God has set it up within this body of believers. And as Peter writes, this is all for God's glory. Every bit of it. Nobody else gets the glory. We didn't create ourselves. We didn't gift ourselves. We don't empower ourselves. This is all for God's glory. It's in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. What happens when your physical body has an ailment? Uh, for example, if you have a, a bad right knee. What happens? You kind of start walking funny, right? But what does the rest of your body do? It compensates. The rest of your body compensates. So other parts of your body start to do things to take up the slack and, and to do things to try to uh, help you be able to function if, in, if, in case you can't function with your bad knee, for example. But what usually happens when your body compensates? Oh, well, now my back hurts. Man, my hip is really bothering me now. Things get thrown all out of alignment. And you start getting new pains and new aches and start to feel really old even though you know you shouldn't because your body's compensating for something. And not serving causes others to compensate. 
It causes the body to try to pick up the slack. And in 1 Corinthians 12, that I mentioned before, where it talks about spiritual gifts, it gives a picture of a body, of uh, eyes and ears and everything, and it says, every one of you, church, is the body of Christ, and every one of you is indispensable. We cannot do this without you. Every part has a purpose. Every part has a role to play. God made the body that way. He gifted it that way for a reason. Now, when it comes to serving, there's a a role of leadership, several roles of leadership that I wanted to touch on here. We've already mentioned that church leaders should model this way of living. Uh, Timothy is explicitly told by Paul uh, not to neglect his gift and to practice godly living, quote, so that all may see your progress. Church leadership. Uh, Let me mention, too, a few weeks ago when we were up in Cleveland for the Envision Day, all three of our pastors were up there. They were all getting sunburns like the rest of us. They were all picking up trash and Well, Scott had it easy. He was in the truck for a lot of the day, but they were all up there. I appreciate that about them. These are men that do not just call a body of believers to do something they themselves would not do. And I think that's right. Also, we've mentioned that we want to allow time for healing when it's needed. We do not hold this legalistically so that if you're not serving for a given amount of time, that you're living in sin. No, if you need healing, you got to get healing. We're okay with that. If you're new to our church, you're just coming in and you're hurting, we don't want you to jump into serving right away. We want you to heal. We want you to come in and to get whole again before you start serving. If If you're a young family with young kids, that's your main ministry right there. If, if you don't have a lot of time, that's fine. Do what you can. But we understand life is made up of seasons, and seasons change. Leadership also plays a role in helping the body know what your spiritual gifts are and how to use them. Beth mentioned the How to Serve class uh, that we have signups for today. Uh, those are the two things that we focus on in that class. First, what are spiritual gifts and what are your spiritual gifts specifically? And secondly, how do you use that spiritual gift? Now, you could go Google spiritual gifts and you'll come up with just over seven and a half million hits. Uh, I read through each of those carefully this week. And trust me, you're better off going to the class. There's a lot out there. What we try to do is hone in on your specific abilities, your experience, your passions, and your gifting to try to fit you in where you can serve most effectively. I believe that's a role of leadership. So take the class. That wasn't that subtle, was it? Okay. Now, there's another role of leadership, unfortunately, and sometimes that's to say no or to redirect someone away from a a particular serving opportunity or position. Um, Now, that could have to do with gifting, certainly. If uh, if others don't perceive a gift that you think you may have, 
Um, so that's, that's one area, but it's also born out of 1 Timothy 5, when Timothy is told not to be hasty in the laying on of hands. Now that was written to Timothy in the context of appointing elders and church leadership. Uh, but the principle is this, be very careful who you put into influential positions within the church. Paul was warning Timothy that someone uh, with a sin problem or bad doctrine can negatively impact the entire body. The entire body, not even just a small portion of the body. And that's the principle we believe uh, applies. So there are some positions of ministry here that we believe are quite influential. And until we get to know you, we're going to be guarded with some of those positions. If you're new to our church, we want to get to know you before we plug you into certain spots. And that's the reason. It gets kind of heavy for church leadership. Uh, Hebrews 13 17 states that leaders are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. So church leaders, not only at the end of things, will have to give an account for their own lives, as we all will, but for those that they led. And church leadership has a burden to guard the body. And so mistakes might be made. I'll apologize for that right up front. But I would ask that you give grace and understand the reason behind those types of conversations if they ever have to happen. Now, there are, are many opportunities, and we need everybody. Hear this again from 1 Corinthians. You are indispensable. We've got the How to Serve class. Did I mention that already, the How to Serve class? Okay, take the class. If, if you don't know what your gifts are, find out. Figure it out. Don't Google it. Also, in the back, Beth mentioned this, but there's a paper that Sean put together. Um, it has all of the ministry opportunities at Freshwater. Not only is it this side, but it's this side as well. And get your readers out, because it's not written very big. Now, this has a, a little bit of information. It also has a contact and a phone number for everything. Okay? We want to give you an easy way to get in. Go pick that up. It's at the How to Serve. There's a How to Serve class. Did you guys know that? Okay. It's at that table. Go pick it up. See what's out there. There's tons and tons of opportunities. Uh, VBS, get involved. It is the best week you'll have. I mean, you will be dead tired by the end, but it is a great week. It really is. Be involved in that. A great way to serve little kids, their families. Maybe you can't commit to that week. That's okay. Maybe you can commit to praying for that week and the weeks leading up to it. Maybe the week after you can commit to uh, connecting with some families that just had an introduction to Jesus for the first time. And maybe you could be a, a familiar face, friendly face and a name where they can come and just meet somebody if they want to come on Sunday morning the following week. Hey, we can find a place for you. Be involved. If you're not serving, I know that me standing up here for 30, 35 minutes is not going to convince you. 
I'm not eloquent enough and I'm not likable enough for that to happen. But I would recommend that you do two things. One, just start. Start somewhere. Pick something that you think you might enjoy and get plugged in. And if you start and you find that it's not for you, that's fine. There's a lot of other things that you can try. Okay? But start. If you start and you start serving with the understanding that you are sharing God's grace, that you were made for this, I think it's going to start to change you. Secondly, I really think that we miss out on so much of God's presence and power in our lives because we grow cold to his grace sometimes. His grace and his love are out of this world. And it takes some work sometimes to stay in that place in our lives where we recognize it for how big it is. And I'm afraid that sometimes we just grow stale to it and and our personal devotions get dull or non-existent even. And we don't just look into the face of God regularly and thank him for what he's done and be moved to tears by the amount of love that he showed for us. I think that we missed that. So the second thing I would say to do is to saturate yourself regularly in God's grace and love. Just get drenched in it. Whatever you have to put in place in your life to stay in the Word and in communion with the Holy Spirit, do it. And it'll start to change you. There are people out there that we would look at and we say, they have a servant's heart. I think this is what it comes from. I think it comes from a true and lofty recognition of the grace of God. And these are people that, uh, that just can't help but serve. They just can't help it. It's bubbling out of them. They would probably explode if they didn't go help somebody. I know there are many, many people in this church that are serving. And I don't want this to go unsaid, but thank you. Every single person that serves in this church, thank you. Keep it up. When you feel like you aren't getting anywhere with those brats, I mean those sweet little angels over there, keep it up. If nobody says thank you ever again, keep it up. Stay connected to that source of grace. He will give you everything you need and more. So again, thank you. I hope for the day when our mentality and our vocabulary changes from I have to serve or I'm supposed to serve to I get to serve. And we could actually say to somebody, thank you for letting me serve you today! Exclamation point. Because I really mean it. I hope our mentality shifts that way. As an elder in this church, I would love for our pastors to never have to recruit another volunteer again. Do I hear an amen? You two guys there, there we go. I would love it. I would love to see them plugging people in to their most effective ministry positions. I would love to see them visioning more and more with God. 
God, what do you want to do that we've never done before? How do we want to meet people's needs that we've never been able to meet before? And God supplies the people to do it. I would love for that to be the story of fresh water. I think it can happen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you call us all to be in the game, to be a part of this. God, I thank you that there's not just certain people that get to serve you and to serve others, but you have gifted us all, you desire us all, as part of your body, to share your very grace. Lord, I pray that you would do a work in us, that this church would be known for serving, for sharing love, for sharing grace to other people. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Two quick things. How to serve class. Don't forget. Secondly, if you want prayer for something today, please join us up front. There are people here who would love to pray with you.